0: And welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through Degrassi Viewing Podcast I'm your veteran Donnie
1: I'm your twice again neophyte Frank
0: And today we are looking at Degrassi The Next Generation Season 6, episode 3, True Colors Quick content warning for this one There's going to be discussion Of death, of car related injuries Also some power dynamic bullshit Um, As Frank implied in his introduction This is our second time recording this Um, We had... Some episodes, unfortunately, become deceased, but we're making it work. I don't know. I'm very like I'm very calm about this situation. I feel like the one time we had an episode get eaten up on us, it we re-recorded it in that day, and we were full of rage. And here I'm just like, eh, it's all right. It could be worse.
1: We've been doing this for two years. Eventually, something's gonna get eaten.
0: Right, like, we've been at this for a bit. I feel like, I feel like there are some podcasts that I, I deeply respect that have had a couple episode situations like this. Um, it just, it just happens. But hey, we're, we're back at it. We're back in the saddle. We're gonna make it work. Um, you know, you know. Uh, Frank, before we get into this again, can you please introduce our A plot and our B plot?
1: Okay, our A plot is that Sean and Peter, or at least Sean, is dealing with the ramifications of their street race, um, and he has like, yeah, he's having a much harder time of it than Peter, and also there's some problems between Peter and Emma. Uh, in our B plot, uh, Ellie is not quite making it as a newspaper. Uh, newspaper gal, and is, um, trying to figure that whole thing out with the boss of the newspaper.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Frank, how do you want to go through this? I do not remember how we went through this. Do we want to just go through all of it in one shot, or do we want to split up the plots?
1: I think we went through all of it in one shot.
0: Yeah, that feels fine with me, so we can do it again. Um... So we open up this episode in the courthouse. Um, We see a judge walking Peter out. um, And the judge is talking about how, like, oh, like, we've known him since he was a kid. The attorney appears to be family friends. And he's getting a slap on the wrist for his actions from the two episodes before. He's getting his license taken away. He's having to do community service. Um, And Peter sees this as a victory. Um, There... This episode from the jump, I'm very much at odds with, and I think a lot of my gripes with it, and I think it's important to contextualize, like, my gripes with it, very much coming at it as a viewer in 2020. And I kind of want to have, start off with this, like, not really as a disclaimer, but more as, like, as context, as we talk about this episode. Because I think watching this in 2020, I'm getting a very, very different feeling watching this than... I probably would have when I was a kid. Because um, Peter sees this whole entire instance of privilege as a victory. He goes, runs up to Emma. He's super excited. He, you know, observes that Sean is going to um, get the book thrown at him. Um, and he's very gleeful about it. I don't like his tone about it. It's very grimy. It's very... Um, it's just, again, he's obsessed with the idea that he has won. When in this scenario, nobody's really won, right? Like, people got caught up in a moment doing something. Someone got seriously injured. Nobody has won this scenario, but Peter sees himself as such. And Emma decides that, especially because of her complicated feelings towards Sean and this whole entire situation, that she's just going to state this is a no-Sean zone, no-Sean discussion ever. Um, And it's just, it's such an uncomfortable way to
1: open up this episode Yeah, because it's just Because Peter is just He's every shitty white dude you've ever seen Yes Like, he's blonde, he's, you know, handsome Like, he's well-dressed, he comes from money And it's just like If this was, if this was a, like, if this was a 1980s skiing comedy, he'd be wearing a white turtleneck and just shitting all over the hopes and dreams of, I don't know, fucking John Cusack. Like, like, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing about Peter that makes me happy to see him.
0: I agree. I agree. It's and it's one of those things where I feel like, uh, you, you know, we've talked before time and time again, especially with Sean, how Degrassi really has a weakness discussing classism. Um, and I think a big issue with this episode watching it in 2020 is also the race component of it. Right. This is like the whitest look at um, crime and the. And how um, there are huge issues in terms of um, equity in the context of justice. Of criminal justice and everything. Um, and it's, it's just so... It's, it's just such a weird way to tackle this topic as a 2020 viewer. But it's also just a really weird way to open up the episode. I feel like my issue with Peter... Time and time again, even as a kid, and as we're revisiting him for the sake of this podcast, is he doesn't ever seem sorry for what he has done. He will give you plenty of excuses, much like a lot of really horrible white men in on TV and in reality. Um, He will come up with tons of excuses. He will lie to your face. He will um, do everything he can to make it seem like he is the hero of this whole entire thing. And he, they don't really ever suggest otherwise. There's some consequences that happened in this episode, but it's just very, it's just odd. It, I feel like my thought keeps coming back to the idea of, like, if they just had Peter be, like, if they just made, like, two separate characters, Peter the antagonist and Peter the, like, tragic white boy with divorced parents and shit like that, who's the son of the principal... I feel like my brain would have a way easier time digesting all of this than trying to figure out these two characters put smashed together into one form of Peter. Because even as a kid, I just didn't fucking get it.
1: It's because there's no divergence to Peter. Yeah. Like, you know, we've seen... We've seen, I feel like, you know, uh, we always bring it about, like, Characters who are supposed to be one way, but then turn out to be a different way. Like, Jimmy is the sensitive jock artist. Um, Paige is the kind-hearted uh, queen bee who looks out for her girls. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even, like, Emma is the activist who is also just, like, the mean girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, um, which can
0: be something, right? Because that is a real thing, right? Like, activists who are nasty as shit on an interpersonal level. Like, I've seen that person.
1: Well, I th- well, honestly, like, if, if you, know what, you know what we haven't done for a while? Shit on the writing of the, the Grassy writers. Hmm. I think if the writers were smarter, or, like, I feel like they do this, but I don't think it was intentional. Because mm-hmm. they, like, Emma doesn't Emma and Peter work because Emma never thinks she's wrong. Yeah. And, like, if you, but, like, that could tie into her activism. And that would make sense. It would. It would. The thing is, though, that, like, when she ties herself to people like Peter, Peter is interested in looking out for Peter. And, like, Emma has quickly become Emma's only looking out for Emma. Mm-hmm. So when you put them two together, they're just an exceptionally toxic pair and it's just i don't want to be around either of them
0: no and but i also feel as though if it was portrayed as this is like a toxic fucking duo it would be easier for me to digest like but the problem is is they they frame it it's just never framed as such right it's framed as there's a shit circumstance they're trying to work through peter was there for her when she was recovering from her eating disorder like you know all of that type of stuff it's never it's never, like, witnessing and uh, watching these two horrible people be together. Um, and I can't think of any relationships off the top of my head that do this well. But I think it, it does go to the idea of, like, no, not every couple has to be perfect or anything like that. You know, we we on the show have talked at length about the ideas of, like, trying to confront difficulties in life and not always having everything be perfect in the show but still trying to be realistic about the consequences and not in a moralistic way. And I just feel like it just, any of that type of concept just goes out the window with those two. And I just don't know why. Like, I don't know why. I never understood it as a kid. I don't understand it now. Maybe there's some behind the scenes thing I don't know about um, or some sort of agreement that was made or something. But like, it's a fucking slog. Like, it's just like you don't, it cuz they're like you're if they were villains it would be different right if they were villains and we were supposed to kind of revel in their bad behavior because of that i would feel probably a little bit differently but that's not what's happening
1: yeah they're for all intents and purposes our heroes
0: yeah i mean emma is i mean we were talking about while watching the episode like emma is technically your focal point She is the reason why, like, the conceit of the series is Emma is the child of one of the original cast members, and this is her, you know, her experience, for lack of better terms. Yes, there's other characters, but at the end of it all, she is kind of the core of the story, at least in theory, based on the pitch, like, you know, that initial pitch, and it's just like, that doesn't mean she has to be totally likable but she's incredibly hard to cheer for. And I feel like there are plenty of other characters on the show who don't always do the right thing, but you still have a soft spot for it. It's why so many people have so many complicated feelings towards some of these characters because even if you looked, you know, objectively at every horrible thing a certain character has done, you'd still like, you know, you still be like, "But I cheer for them." It's kind of how like a lot of people are sympathetic to Spinner even though Spinner did horrible things. Similar to Craig, a lot of people are very soft Toward Craig, even though he did horrible things As well um, And Peter and Emma just really Don't have those moments
1: Yeah, cause like, Well, as always You know, Spinner Fucks up, but Spinner will eventually figure out He did wrong um, And he'll listen And mm-hmm. he'll try and make amends These two never will um, So we've, you know, shit talked Them for a while <laughs> yeah. But, um, move, so,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so, why don't we move on to Peter's, uh, apology video?
0: Oh, boy, his YouTube apology on the school announcements?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and much like those YouTube apologies, it doesn't actually give him any, like, let's see. Maybe. Oh, he says, I also need to say, I'm sorry for Tarzan's degrassi's rep in our community i hope that i can gain your trust back thank you it's a textbook youtube apology
0: oh it is it is and it's also very weird because why you know what i mean like especially because he's a minor technically a lot i feel like whenever something really fucked up has happened whether i've been a student or whether i've been a teacher a lot of the time you can't disclose a lot of that stuff because minors are involved because like you know you don't want to put that type of attention on a kid you want to like have if if need be have conversations but try to have them without that kid being the focal point right it's more hey this really horrible thing happened let's focus on how you feel about it what can we do to like work out your feelings about it less this person did a horrible thing and now they have to apologize to the community. And it's like, I get it's a little more precarious because it is the principal's child, but it still puts, and I, I know, you know me, I'm never sympathetic to Peter, but it, it does put attention on him in a weird way. And it makes him have to appear as a public figure. And it's just not like, it just seems like it would cause more harm than good. Um, Especially because you do have people reacting to it, including Snake, who immediately after is referring to, you know, it's just kind of dismissing the apology and saying that's a pretty, like, you know, you're run-of-the-mill, like, political um, apology. Um, and Snake is totally right, right? Like, as we said, this is a pretty textbook, contemporary reference, YouTube apology. Um, nothing about restorative practices right nothing about how peter's going to be re you know work on being a part of the community again nothing about like you know how the community can grow from this together it's just i'm sorry this happened bye um and then you do have moments where snake is like that and that puts snake even though if snake is right it's probably not something you should be saying about a child and it becomes even more sticky because emma's right there Um, making a face in reaction to it, and then he has to quickly kind of, like, cover it up. Um, And it's... It's awkward. I
1: was gonna say, I'm sure they've had many conversations about how Snake does not care for Peter. Oh,
0: I'm sure. But also, also there is Snake, Emma's dad, and Snake, the teacher, right? Like, there's Donnie, the schmuck that screams about Dimitri's tits, and Donnie, who is a program director of an after-school program, like, there are two different sides to you, and I, I think, I think that there is a real struggle that can happen there, and I would have loved to see more of that, but it's a one-and-done scene. Snake, Snake and his feelings toward Peter, we are purely, in. we're making inferences on based on this exchange. But it would have been interesting to see that, and it would have been interesting to kind of see how their dynamic is probably deeply compromised, because Snake, as a teacher, probably knows a whole bunch of shit about Peter, just through the grapevine, talking to kids I guess I can't really say the grapevine, because that's a newsletter—just through gossip, through talking to other teachers, through his stuff with Hasselakos, like— it would have been actually probably a more interesting episode than this kind of half-assed attack at, uh, attempt at deconstructing the justice system.
1: You yeah. um, know. I, I just
0: think they need to go smaller. I feel like what keeps happening with Degrassi is, like w- like, I think they get too big in their ideas and they can't execute them. And I think if they just refocused more toward these smaller interpersonal conflicts... I think it could still get wild and weird, like they're searching for, but I think it would still, it would probably work much better.
1: We rented out this court courtroom hallway, and damn it, we're going to use it.
0: Right. Like, we need to. You must understand how budgets work.
1: So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on from there. Um, Manny tries her best to keep... Um, Manny is basically like, look, just choose one, like, for fuck's sake. um,
0: She's being so diplomatic about this in many ways. The fact that she is not, the fact that Manny has not killed Emma is still a shock to me, but also I think speaks to how much bullshit we tolerate in high school (laughs) and how I'm sure You know, after college, probably like two or three years after college or uh, wherever Manny chooses to go in her life. She will look back on this relationship and go, what the fuck was I thinking? But hopefully she will have far better friends to support her through it.
1: Yeah. Um, So once again, we get Peter complaining about his white boy problems. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Miss Hasselakis gives him a dirty look and he zips away from Emma.
0: I mean, the big problem is Peter can't bring Emma to the dance because he's punished. And I do kind of like that in the sense that it is, again, it's like a more small-scale issue. It's like a a small-scale consequence, and he's so sad about it. But it's also at the same time, it's just like, again, you start so big with the idea of Peter getting away with what has happened and Sean having to face consequences about it that when you get to this scene, it's just kind of, okay... Well, are we getting back to, like, Sean's situation? That scene is more important. Again, I think it's just the weight of things is really wonky in this episode.
1: Yeah. Um, so then we cut to... Jesus Christ. Uh, we cut to... Um, Liberty saying, so we'll hire a mariachi band. Yep. Which is a very good non-sequitur. Yep. Um... And, like, nobody responds Liberty's like, you said we needed a fucking theme I gave you a theme
0: Toby's (laughs) like, we got no money
1: Like, sorry Like, that just gave me a thought of, like, how much I would love Just exasperated, constantly put upon Liberty Who's just, like, still succeeding in her senior year But is just so fucking done with everything Like, (sighs) Listen, you fucks, can we just, like, fucking get this done? I have, like, other shit to do, okay? I have applications about, like, fucking, mariachi band. No? Okay, you figure it out. I'm out. Liberty's done. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I've been so good this entire fucking school year. I was the best for you people. I wore a cape once, and you fuckers can't even just... You can't even just give me the decency of, like, brainstorming some ideas. Fuck off, (laughs) y'all.
0: I want Liberty to be the kid who, as soon as she gets into college, she's just like, it doesn't fucking matter. C's get degrees. I'm just gonna keep it together until I have to go to school. Bye. Like, I want want her to be, like, the kid that lets loose, and I know she'll never be able to, but in my heart of hearts, I want her to be that kid that's like, oh, I got into my dream school. Oh, I got into every single school I applied to. Great. Like, I am going to do the bare minimum from here on out, but the fact of the matter is, is, kids like Liberty don't do that. They just don't. They might ease up, but they they never just throw in the towel after that.
1: I saw a Tumblr post where somebody was pointing out, like, all like the the problem of being an overachiever kid is mm-hmm. that like you get out into the real world and you realize that that shit doesn't matter, and you just can't cope because you don't know how to like find worth without it. Yeah. And that, that bums me out. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I like my headcanon of exasperated liberty. <laughs> you know, the, I would like to actually marry it with your idea. Like, liberty is still exasperated, but she, and she cuts loose, but in a very responsible way. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not out, like, you know, party drinking. Like, she just cuts, like, she gets, like, wine drunk at, like, fancy parties. Where I discussing... want to like,
0: put like a wine cooler.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> she's or <a> kid. Just... <laughs> yeah, she's like that's oh, very good vintage. That's a wine cooler, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm but she... she goes home buzzed but doesn't get like full on drunk. Like... Yeah,
0: I mean the last time she drank, she it got really dark. So
1: yeah, or she just starts a really good D and D like group.
0: That would be cute. Like, I just want Liberty... I mean, it it runs into the issue. I feel like what we keep running into is, like, Liberty is just so isolated. And even in in things that were supposed to be so focused on her, she's so isolated. And it's just so
1: frustrating.
0: Uh, But anyway, let's focus.
1: Um, Uh, So, um, basically, Toby says the best we can afford is Jimmy and... Jimmy and Spinner jamming in sombreros Which I think would be pretty fun Um Emma comes with the idea of a masquerade Ball cause then she can sneak Peter in Um I think we mentioned this last time we recorded This episode um That I think that's a great Dumb teenager plan And I'm always for dumb teenager plans Yeah Um uh, <laughs> And Liberty says, Cucaracha, speaking of cockroaches, what's he doing here? And we see Jay is talking to, to Snake.
0: Yep. Liberty's just trying to be a mover and shaker. Um, you know, just trying to make things happen. Uh, but yeah, so Jay's there, and then we go to the B-plot. College!
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the Boring Ranch. All right. Um, Ellie,
0: Ellie's checking her paper, the paper. She sees her article isn't in it. She's super disgruntled about it. She approaches Jesse, the editor. She's like, what's going on? He's like, well, it has errors. Uh, and is, like, super dismissive about the whole entire thing. But, like, we know he's dismissive. That's, like, his only characteristic. It's, like, being mean to women. Is like his only quality. So I'm yeah. To more... Sleep with them.
1: He's nagging her.
0: Yeah, he's negging the fuck out of her. And the thing is, is like Are there men like this that exist in college? Absolutely. Did I interact with them a fuck ton my first year of college? Fuck yes, I did. But I feel like what really bothers me about it is like there's something about this plot that just doesn't feel like Ellie.
1: Cause like I don't feel like Ellie would put up with this shit. Like... Yeah. It's
0: it's like but it's like in a weird way. It's like, um, I feel like what happened a lot of the time with um with Ellie in, you know, in Degrassi itself was a lot of the time she was the one who was the most aware of politics in the sense of like beyond her own scope, right? She was the one that was trying to push for Emma to consider other perspectives. She was the one that was trying to um, keep her like, you know, trying to like look at things beyond just, you know, what, what privileges that she had and things like that. And watching her piss and moan about this, and I think it's in the next scene she talks about her grades, but, like, the fact that, like, she's like, well, I should be in the paper because I got an A in, like, a class. It's like, Ellie wouldn't argue that, I feel like. Ellie is the type of person who would be like, well, I think you have unfair practices because of X, Y, Z, and I'm going to expose your ass. That feels like Ellie. Mm -hmm. And I get that there is this attraction factor, and I do think that, unfortunately... Wonderful women are attracted to horrible men. And this is just a reality of life. Um, But it just feels like... It feels like a lot of the college prompts... The college plots are like... We want to hit certain tropes of college experience. Unless... How do college experiences apply to our characters?
1: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the way this applies is just... The the cutting off Ellie at the knees Version Like just cutting off her growth Just to make some kind of stupid drama happen
0: Right, and like I feel like you can do the Big fish in a small pond Kind of plot in college Because realistically that happens a lot To a lot of kids I think it happens all the time But it just doesn't feel like They did it in a way that makes sense For her character
1: It... And we always go back to, to the fact that Degrassi is supposed to to teach people like something, or have we have we just kind of divorced ourselves from that concept? Like now that we're in the soap opera era,
0: I mean, I I I would argue that they are still trying to teach because to me, even if we are in this more soap opera era, they are still trying to like educate on these topics in a way that they see fit, right? Like, yeah, it's dramatic, but it's, I feel like it's hard. I think the problem with Degrassi is, like, they are constantly teetering between the two. And I think they are trying to teach lessons, but they're trying to lean on more dramatic tropes. But instead of just being, like, a soap opera where some soap operas do talk about heavy subjects and they do it well, Degrassi seems to get so wishy-washy it doesn't really work at all. Yeah. I also think, like, the foundation is just not that strong. Like, I feel like a lot of the weaknesses come out because they are contradicting the characters and things like that, as opposed to just, like, making them, I don't know, it's just, like, really, it's such a tough subject for me. Because I never want to sound like I am dismissing the work and the progress made by soap operas when I say this. But it seems like Degrassi is doing, like, it's either doing, like, a bad soap opera or trying to be a mediocre after-school special at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, I also think it goes to the, like, weekly nature television. I don't think they ever plan anything out. They're just like, fuck it, what can we go with? the uh, There's a hot guy who doesn't like her writing, but she also has a crush on him.
0: Right, um, right. It, it, it feels like, it's like, well, what's the big deal right now? I don't know. Like, I was, STIs! Let's roll
1: the dice! I was saying while we were watching it, it would have been way more interesting if um, Ellie's... Um, Ellie's boss at the paper was a woman. Yeah. Um, and, like... Maybe she's a bit rougher on Ellie than Ellie is used to. And that, like... I, I think a better lesson would be, like, learning how to work with difficult people. Like, yeah. My if I if I was in control of this, her uh, boss would be a woman, and her boss would like, you know, basically be mean to her or like what she thought is mean, mm-hmm. and then like Ellie would just like, you know, just not have kind of dealt with that nature of like the workplace, mm-hmm. and then when she stands up for herself, or, or or just like the boss saying like, look, I'm preparing you, I'm gentle compared to what's out there. I'm not yeah. trying. I'm not trying to dissuade you, but you need to understand what's happening. Now let's get to work and make your paper, make your article better, and like just be like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna say what needs to be said, but I am here to help you. And I think that would be a much, and it would show like female camaraderie, female mm-hmm. friendship, instead of just like you have, you know, everybody around them either saying like, oh, Ellie's sleeping her way to the top, which is what the other reporters are saying. Mm-hmm. or Marco's saying like you have to choose between um, this this boy you like and uh, what's the word respectability accountability um, mm,
0: respectability I think works in this context
1: yeah so it's do you, I mean we' there's not there's so little here like I honestly feel like we should just close this out
0: yeah I mean I think going off of your idea of a, a female boss or a female editor in this case, I think it also would have been interesting. If we want to show Ellie having, like, a – almost, like, a moral – because I feel like the thing is, is, like, we're not really seeing her perspective or her morals really being compromised in this. It's like she's being whisked away by the romance eventually. And I think it would have been interesting if, in the, in the case of this episode – um, she maybe had, like, you know, why am I at odds with this woman? Especially when you factor in the fact that, like, Ellie has friends that are women, but she's not always kind to them, right? Like, she'll snipe and say pretty horrible things about Paige um, and pretty horrible things. Like, it's it's very much like that I'm, you know, I'm not like the other girls versus the other girls, Paige. Like, she does have some internalized um, misogyny to work out. And I think it would have been more valuable to have her be at odds with this woman, create a narrative, basically, that this woman's out to get her, when in actuality it's more of a breakdown in communication and, you know, this this fact, the reality of, like, you know, I'm trying to prepare you, I'm writing you fucking hard, and we, you know, we can talk about if that's the right thing to do, but at the end of the day, you know, Ellie learns to really examine her feelings toward Women in leadership in
1: that way. Yeah. Um, so. So anyway, uh, they go on a date. Uh, they almost kiss. They. Um, like. Ellie's given a plump assignment of the Toronto Music Showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where somebody, another woman who I don't, I, I think her name is Nina or something.
0: Yeah, I can't uh, remember her name off top my head, but yeah, she has a name.
1: Yeah, says that. Oh, well, like, here's another fresh face, thrush uh, for Jesse to sleep with, and like her other, the other male reporters just says, "Oh, you're one to talk." Miss 2005. Um, so we have slut shaming from both genders. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, to Ellie, has a conversation with Marco and, um, oh my god, Marco's boyfriend Dylan. Dylan, my brain kept being like, Dustin, 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 <laughs> Dusted, <laughs> Dustin, Dustin. <laughs> um, it's Dylan. just like, it's just like, um, I have to remind myself, some, like, I'm so bad with names, unless I meet you. Multiple times I'm not going to remember your name mm-hmm. And I, I Did like I, there was like one guy During a game of uh, Fibbage um, And I was just like dude I'm sorry I, it's no disrespect To you but I don't remember what your actual Name is and if I don't get it Told to me now the next time we meet All I'm going to think is Dr. Sweet Jams Over and over again Because <laughs> that's, that's what he was good. going by During the game of Quibbage Or Quiplash Yeah, Um, that's fair. So, Ellie is stress cooking. Marco. This is the point where Marco says, like, you can either have self respect or you can have a hunky boyfriend. And, like, that leaves Ellie in the conundrum. She Mm -hmm. switches her projects and then she has. She switches her assignments with um, the other male reporter. And. Then we have another conversation between the two of them between Jesse and Ellie, mm-hmm. where Jesse's like, "I gave I didn't give you that because we're dating. I gave you that because um, I gave you that because you're you like music. And it's just <sighs> because, like the the sequence of events is they date choice assignment. I'm not doing that. Like I'm like, I don't believe you, Jesse. I don't No, no. You.
0: He's he's unreliable. He's absolutely unreliable.
1: And it just The whole thing just reeks and it's just this is why like I don't and n- there's no discussion that like he's in still in a position of power over her. Yep. Like there, there there's no discussion of, like they're like we're gonna keep this a secret and like this is all so stupid and wrong. Like are, he- are you you don't have to announce your dating, but you should tell people.
0: It's it's that very uncomfortable thing that it has very similar... It makes me very worried. It makes me think of Paige with Oleander, right? And how in the narrative of that whole entire plot, there was little to no effort other than, like, Manny saying one or two things. There's really no conversation of how bad... That whole entire relationship was. And in many ways it was being framed as like. Just not the right timeline. Just you know. It didn't really work out. As opposed to the real reality of. He was making advances towards someone. Who he was supposed to be in his care. I'm beginning to really worry. That these writers just don't see these things as wrong. Or they are like. Oh it's like edgy taboo. Oh and it's like. Really unsettling. Because it's like. It's, I think it's also something that just unfortunately I'm always at odds with in media. I think that this is like, these are tropes that we see in a lot of different forms of media. We talked with Oleander and Page how it's not the first time we've seen a teacher-student relationship in a teen-targeted form of media. Um, But it is really, really unsettling when lightning strikes twice in something like this, right? It's It's very unsettling when you have evidence of another power dynamic issue and we're supposed to believe it's okay. Especially because, in many ways, I think we're supposed to read that last scene as, like, boundaries being negotiated. Because Ellie says, like, you can't call me frosh anymore. And, like, she's, she's making these these uh, demands. But it's still really fucking unsettling. And really uncomfortable. But, again, the show is not... Suge- it's like, the show is really suggesting that last scene is, is like, enough to, to clear the air between the two of them. It's not... No, it's not. It's not. It's not. And in in a college setting could could uh you know could an upperclassman date an underclassman? Sure. Fine. You know, everyone's legal whatever. Yeah, you're right. But that requires conversations, that requires multiple conversations, that requires someone not bullying the other person and like refusing to, you know, ...print their articles and shit like that... ...and then, like, ch- you know, giving them, like, these cherry-picked assignments. It's... it It's just... Again, I think similar to Peter and Emma... ...if we were supposed to believe that this was just bad... ...it would hurt to see Ellie go through it... ...but wouldn't necessarily make it bad TV, if that makes sense. Like, it, it's it's not bad TV inherently to have your character struggle... But we're supposed to believe the struggle is their shaky courtship and not the fact that this is an unbalanced power dynamic with a guy who really wants to nag her all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Rotten. Let's keep talking uh, about rotten men, though.
1: Yeah. Let's keep it going. Keep going full speed. Yep. Um, So Emma goes out to talk to Jay. Who has just finished talking to Simpson. Um, and Jay is being as respectable as he can be.
0: I I get it, though. I I mean, yeah, he's trying. He's fucking trying. You can tell he's about to break. You can tell because he's really upset about Sean and Sean's situation. Um, He says that, you know, he got jumped in jail. Um, and it's just like, yeah, because it's fucking jail, Emma. It is a place where incarcerated people are can i be more clear and you know he's really trying to make it clear that like sean doesn't have anybody we see peter have a community sure it sucks having your family be in a be divorced that sucks and i never want to sound like i am discrediting that or discrediting the, the pain that comes from that it blows, especially in the case of her, of his father, who has, like, you know, just doesn't seem to make much space for him in general. I get it. But, Jay is pointing out how alone Sean is, and how Sean is being neglected legally because of it. Because he doesn't have a dad who knows attorneys, he doesn't have, like, those privileges that come with it, and he's telling Emma to go to a court hearing, um, and... Immediately after Jay invites her to go to the court hearing, Peter texts her to meet at 7 o'clock at a bus stop. So, that is where we're at. Um, I hate them so much. We end up at the street. um,
1: This is is literally the worst date ever. Right? Double parked at a bus stop in the rain. Like... On a busy street, nowhere private, like, just for a few minutes of making out. And, like, Emma, I don't think, lives near the city center, which this is definitely taking place near. Yeah. And Peter is driving. His license has been revoked. He should not be driving. And he, once again, gives the most casual dismissal of what he is going through.
0: Yep. He's like, oh, I knew where the kids were. Ha ha ha. Um. And he's also like, he sniffs her. She smells like vanilla. He says that he hates it. Sean loves the vanilla. He bookmarked that for later. Um, and Peter is like very dismissive about the situation, specifically because to him, he doesn't think he did a bad thing because the guy isn't dead. Like, it's fine. Emma he's alive like he's he's just very it's 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 fucking tough to watch cuz it's like it's just hard to watch i like it's it's misery watching and like you know again with peter and this reaction i could see plenty of kids reacting this way right i could see plenty of kids being like well i fucked up but nobody died so it's fine because kids feel like they're invincible but you, as a writer, gotta find a way to make that more compelling. Kids Who Are Never Afraid to Die has been done in plenty of different series. Um, plenty of kids who think they'll never have consequences to their actions and how privilege kind of rots them out. That's been done before. But Peter, like, never, he never reaches that plane of existence. And it's, it's torture for me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's n- literally no self-reflection.
0: No, and there hasn't been self-reflection since he's been introduced for a couple seasons, and I'm tired. Um, Emma then immediately, like, afterwards is, like, really unsettled by this and says that she has to go.
1: But she does tell him it's a costume party and he should come in disguise.
0: Yeah, you know, so she's not
1: 100%. Okay. With it. Yeah. Um, so uh, we cut back to Emma and Manny's basement apartment. Um, Emma is trying on clothes. Manny once again protests that she goes to see Sean, of just like fucking choose somebody, (laughs) like,
0: yeah, uh, she's like, it's like a ping pong ball, is how she describes it. It's, yeah, I mean, again, uh, like Manny, I just want her to have the realization. When she grows up, that this was a shitty fucking relationship.
1: Yeah. <laughs> She'll be like Frank going to uh, going to college. Um,
0: it will be like Donnie um, after college being like, huh. Sure, sure, sure didn't make lasting friendships in a lot of college unless they came from the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um... Emma heads to the courthouse the next day. See, she, see, she, huh, she sees Sean. Uh, his face is uh, bruised and scarred, um, or cut, I should say. Yeah, it's the crazy. most, the most patient bailiff ever is the one escorting him to the courthouse. Who's like
0: embrace? What? Let's them embrace. <laughs>
1: Uh, I while we were watching this, I think on both times I yelled "no touching," just like the rest of Development. Yeah. Um,
0: but he has uh, to get close so he can recognize her vanilla.
1: And <laughs> yeah, <Ugh. laughs> I just realized what you said. I hated it. <laughs> her
0: hair—it smelled like vanilla.
1: Ugh.
0: I've never seen that movie. I only know, like, two scenes, and that is one of them.
1: What movie?
0: Spider-Man 3, but her hair smells like strawberries. I'm referencing that.
1: Oh, I thought it was Vanilla Sky. Um, oh, no. So oh, he. I haven't seen. He pops into the, the courtroom. He pops, like, almost immediately back out, because his public defender didn't show. Um, and, like... <laughs> Um, like he asks Emma, like Emma's like, what can I do? And he says, Tell me you're still not with Peter. And she's like, He's my boyfriend. And to which Sean yells, He put he's slime, he put drugs in my locker. Sean speaks the truth. Yeah. Emma Emma doesn't believe him. Um, Emma <laughs> comes up with another insane plan or another teenager plan. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, she
0: approaches she... Snake.
1: When well, she okay. says, move Jack into your room, and we'll rent out the basement apartment. And Simpson's like, I don't want to live, have a, the same room as a three-year-old, number one. Like, my bigger thing is, like, I don't want a stranger around my children. <laughs> right. Um, and, like... Uh, Snake says like Why don't you ask people for the money Because we obviously can't afford a good lawyer for Sean um,
0: He's also very much of the mind Of like Sean will figure it out Like He'll end up on his feet somehow I don't know how he'll do it
1: Yeah um, I feel like that's a, that's an attitude A lot of adults took towards Sean Except for that one shop teacher it's um, true.
0: It's it's true. And like again, I think a big weakness of Degrassi is class and talking about the like I feel like Sean, there are so many things that can be talked about with Sean. And I feel like that that thread feels so obvious, right? Like we've seen it every single fucking time. And yet the there's just this total apprehension of um really exploring that. And it's very frustrating
1: yeah um so from there we cut to emma's locker uh emma opens up the locker finds a very gaudy ugly gold lame mask um
0: it's a mardi gras mask from like party city
1: yeah it this thing is so just broken down and despite being new um and Peter's like, I thought you deserved something more than paper mache. I bought this on like five dollars from uh from the Halloween store that moved into I don't know a vape shop that showed that closed down. Um and um Peter tries to figure out what the raffle tickets are for. Emma is avoidant, because of course she is. Mm-hmm. Um Meanwhile, cut to um
0: We're at the dance, baby. She's in and out. A- she's in the mask and everything. She's trying to sell the raffle tickets. Um, but she's trying to be very sneaky about it. Um, Toby approaches her um about and she's just trying to like hide them away. Manny also approaches her and calls her out on it. Um and you know, you have Peter in plain sight. You have her trying to sell these raffle tickets for Sean. Um, all of the shit is happening. And Manny says that, like, you know, she has to let Sean go. Um, and Emma is like, you know, like, Peter, you know, Peter has been here for me. And look, like, he got me this mask. And Manny is like, okay. So he... <laughs> that thing stru- is
1: cheap as fuck.
0: One, it's it's terrible. Two... You said that he planted that in your locker. How could he get into your locker? Um, which results in Ebba shoving Peter against the lockers, her locker specifically. Tells him to open it up, or he's going, or she's going to tell his mom. Um, and he reveals that he has access to the combos. He used it for Sean because he is, according to Peter, scum. Which, whew, um. Hmm. Um, and Emma dumps him, um, and Hasselak goes, catches him, asks him if he, if he understands what house arrest is, um, and his whole entire night is, uh, ruined.
1: Woohoo! Yeah, and then his mom shows up.
0: <laughs> but again, it's, why is his night ruined? His night is ruined because he got revealed that he could break into lockers, and he accused somebody of... Or rather, set someone up for uh, handling being, you know, handling drugs in school, and kind of ruining his his fucking um, redirection effort, and let him spiral. Like, but again, we're supposed to believe the way that the episode is framed. The issue is not that. The issue is that he was supposed to try and be with Emma, and it got thwarted. It's it's again, it's a matter of weight. And I think that there could have been the dance plot. There could have been him trying to sneak into that thing. But this episode could have actually, like, focused on the fact that he is running away from his responsibility and how he's complicit. And how even if he wasn't driving, the fact of the matter is, is that he got away with nothing. And Sean got everything thrown at him. And Peter does not have a moment where he recognizes that. Yeah. at all because the last scene is in jail emma reveals that uh i guess prison is more the proper term for this um emma raises 204 dollars um also says that she dumped peter um and that you know they talk about how um she's trying to help him secure a public defender um she gives him uh, vanilla honey shampoo That is the shampoo that she always uses That he likes that Peter doesn't like See it's It's important it's her letting go Of Peter um, And Emma kisses him, or, No wrong thing wrong note I was looking at my note from Ellie's What um, He affirms to her that she is irreplaceable Chewished uh, she he, he doesn't say that I just I hear those words And that's what I think of um, and we don't get very much out of that. Like, we, we, again, from what I keep thinking about is from a 2020 perspective, we are talking so much about issues with incarceration and the issues of how, um, how your class like, you know, socioeconomic status of a person, the per, uh, like, a person's race, uh, these are the huge factors that can result in, in Peter's case, a slap on the wrist. In Sean's case, you know, his, his life potentially really fucked up because of this. Um, and it just doesn't quite materialize. And maybe, it, I don't know, I don't know, because I feel like if I said it, I, I feel like I... I don't know how much of a pass I could really give it, because I feel like there were plenty of people who were speaking on these issues at this time. But it's just, especially nowadays, where a lot of this stuff is becoming more and more common knowledge and more in common language, um, how we talk about this in social justice circles, it just is infuriating. Not good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I honestly don't, that was, I don't have much to add to that, that was like very well put.
0: Thanks, I try. Because it's just, I don't know, that's what I just keep thinking about. It's just, it falls flat, it's already with characters that are very difficult to like.
1: just doesn't work.
0: It just doesn't work, yeah, exactly. It's it's. I can appreciate some of the attempts being made, but I think that a lot of the time, it's another example of of the writers just writing well out of their... Skill set,
1: yeah. So I'm gonna give this episode a a D. Well, like just, yeah. Once again, not as bad as Drive, but like still pretty terrible. Drive yeah. at least had that one moment where like Spinner deadpants, like when Craig refuses to go fast in like 10 miles an hour. When um Spinner deadpants, woo! I've, I never felt so free. Like <laughs> that's a very funny line. I also uh,
0: feel like we have to give Drive more credit, because while it's certainly not the best episode we've ever seen, the fact that it's never really left our, our conscious probably speaks to that it has more quality than we will ever get it, give it credit for.
1: Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to character rankings. Uh, Peter remains in hell. S- Simpson for... I guess sticking it for Sean um, and doing his best for Sean gets him up a few spaces. Jay gets him bump up a few spaces for doing his best for Sean. Sean just gets to remain where he is. Emma's going down a few spots for being Emma. Um, Manny gets a bump up a few spots for trying to tell Emma the truth. Uh, Ellie, I'm not going. To, I'm going to leave her where she is because I feel like. As much as I did not enjoy the way she acted, I also understand she was dealing with, like, a misogynist asshole. So, um, I think that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, uh, Marco and Dylan get to bump a few spots for being supportive.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, I guess then we'll go to recommendations. So, uh, we'll recommend things that are either tangentially related or just things we're liking, all that type of stuff um i i think like a really good recommendation is if you haven't read some angela davis or um other like prison abolition text check it out this is your probably 10th or 12th or 100th time you're probably being told to read it but if you've been always putting it off just do it a lot of this stuff is free um I read like a really upsetting uh, article a week or two ago about how um, in the summer a lot of a lot of folks bought a bunch of books um, in response to uh, to Black Lives Matter and just never picked them up, and like a bunch of bookstores now have like a bunch of like let's talk about race and like books like that just like languishing in their back rooms and stuff, and it's really upsetting to hear. Um, Not saying that our, I hope our listeners are not those types of people, um, but if you do have a book on your shelf that you've been telling yourself you're going to read, just do it. Um, I think another thing that might be worth exploring is like even things like If Beale Street Could Talk, um, talks a little bit more about how incarceration impacts people both the folks who are incarcerated and their loved ones. Um, so that's definitely worth checking out. Um, just, there are way better ways to develop more empathy and develop more understanding um, concerning incarceration in this episode, unfortunately, just really isn't it.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend the percy jackson books i just finished the fifth one because uh, i was looking for a replacement for harry potter in my life and uh percy jackson gets me there We uh, like uncle rick yeah um yeah that's about it for me right now
0: that's cool hey frank you made it through again
1: Ugh. <laughs> uh <laughs> nearly killed me this time
0: uh. if you want to get in touch with us there's a couple ways you can do that you can email us at iHopepod at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at i hope Pod, and you can join our facebook group at i hope i can make it through podcast um we are always open to talk answer questions anything like that uh feel free to send us um any in, any possible requests to appear on certain episodes whether it's specific ones that you have in mind or things featuring certain characters or anything like that. We are always up for that. You can also um, send us any memes, any fun things, any observations about the Grassy. Um, we legitimately really like hearing from you, uh, so please don't hesitate to do so. If you want to support the show, the best way that you can do it is by giving us a rating and a review. Um, once we hit certain tiers of ratings and review numbers, we are actually going to start giving back some bonus content, um, whether it's extra episodes, fanfic, things like that. Um, I keep saying I need to like structure it out because I feel like we we made a lot of a lot of promises on the fly in the episodes. Um, So I should really write out what our chart looks like for that. Um, Thank you, everybody, who is taking the time to leave ratings and reviews. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, It's definitely the best way to support us, and we appreciate you for doing so. Um, If you want to get in touch with me, your best way to do that is to follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Um, Even if it's not always Degrassi Central, I'm always up for talking about Degrassi. So please don't hesitate to at me and give me your Degrassi thoughts. I truly love hearing about them. and as I'm somebody who has seen every single episode, so it's safer to talk to me than Frank, who has only seen, I'm not gonna do the fraction, exactly, um, because it's smaller than I like to think it is. Um, but um, right now I have an article that is out with, from Mag. Actually, I have two articles floating around from Mag that were written within this month, but the latest one is called The Life Cycle of Hades. Um, and it's all about playing Hades when you are somebody who is not very good at video games And was very scared by it for a very long time until um, somebody dear to me bought the game for me and made me figure it out. Um, So it is uh, much like my other video game writing. um, It is an homage to not just the game that I very much enjoy, but also how much I care about my friends. Um, So I really hope you check it out. Like I said, it's on POMAG. It's called The Life Cycle of Hades. Um, It's pinned on my Twitter account as well, so you can check it out there.
1: I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk, uh, where we review other teen media. I'm not sure what month this is going to go up, so I can't say is that what we're doing. Um, But I do that with my sister Susie.
0: With that being said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. but i see your true colors
1: shining i see your true